Being a footballer is viewed as a dream job for any aspiring kid. The roar of a raucous crowd when the ball hits the back of the net. There's fame, sometimes even fortune. But what gets lost on people is the brutal nature of the industry. It's cutthroat, unforgiving. More often than not, it's not this picture-perfect world we see on TV. In this podcast series, Podula and the PFA will go beyond the pitch. We'll learn about resilience, diversity, heartache, mental health, and what sacrifices are made that the fans never hear or see. We'll learn about people first, footballers second. This is the Footballer's Voice. to use everything that I'm doing now with, with study to towards all aspects of life that at the end of the day it's not just okay I want to do something and this is my career after football I, I look at it as if okay I'm growing as a person I'm growing as a father and I'm growing as a footballer and I can use it in to, to complement and to enhance my ability as a human being you know in, in every day. Study wasn't always on Brendan Hamill's mind. Having a career option outside of football is a big deal for the PFA. They currently offer all members access to education grants with almost 150 players taking up this opportunity. In this episode, you'll hear about how study has molded people like Brendan into a better person. Hannah Brewer shares her story, and trust me, it'll leave you feeling inspired. We speak to Andrew Redmayne, who's gone through the highs and lows of being a footballer. And we touch base with young gun, Gianni Stensness, who's always thinking about things off the field. I'm married. I have a nine-month-old in a couple of days. He's nine months old, so my time is is occupied, you know, heavily through through my little man and uh, and my wife. And in a few weeks, I'm about to start uh, semester one for my uni, which is a three-year degree, and I've completed one year so far. And given that I'm injured, I'm I'm hoping to potentially get through about three subjects this. This semester, um, so I'm studying a sports coaching and strength and conditioning diploma at ACPE in in Sydney, Australian College of Physical Education, and I suppose uh, I started I think uh, two years ago, maybe just over two years ago now, and I've always wanted to study. I just didn't know what to study. The content based subjects where it's okay, you have to learn this, and then we're going to test you on this at the end of the semester, like the anatomy and physiology. I love that stuff. For some reason, it just it's like a, it's fulfilling in a way, learning something, uh, understanding it, and then being tested on it, and then passing or getting distinctions. <laughs> well, that's the aim. I like hearing this type of honesty. A football career can get cut short very quickly. One bad tackle, one bad turn, and it's gone. Just like that. Brendan Hamill, he gets it. With the help of, of the PFA, uh, the PFA delegate Dean Heffern at the time, we sort of did a little bit of looking around at, 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 at courses and, and what I was sort of interested in and ACPE had just had this course and it was just it just sort of fit and it was kind of like, yeah, let's do it type thing. And I, so I, I think I see myself as a, as a in, definitely in football in the future. It's football's all I know. F- football's literally, I've lived and breathed it, you know, pretty much since I started school, uh, kindergarten. I'm always looking forward to you know football training after school and and whatnot but so I think uh, 100% I'll be involved in football I'm not sure what level I've done a few coaching badges doing this sort of university degree sports coaching strength and conditioning I I think I'm sort of doing it to to help me if if 
if I was to become a coach or if I was to want to go into an SNC role or uh, into a coaching role, into a school maybe, uh, potentially looking at doing a sort of PE degree as well to sort of just open avenues to decide at the end of my career. Hopefully uh, I've got a few more years left and hopefully I can just sort of decide what I want to go into and not be just locked down into, okay, I've done my coaching badges, that's it. I sort of want to um, add a few more strings to the bow and, yeah, just sort of see what I, you know, fall into. Yeah, and, and, and also, as I touched on earlier, so I, I like – I like educating myself. I like that feeling of knowledge um, and, 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 you know, fueling my, my brain and, and stimulating my brain to, you know, to learn new things and, and to sort of grow as a, as a person and as a father and as a footballer. To use everything that I'm doing now with, with study to, towards all aspects of life. That At the end of the day, it's not just, okay, I want to do something and this is my career after football. I, I look at it as if, okay, I'm growing as a person, I'm growing as a father and I'm growing as a footballer and I can use it in, to, to complement and to enhance my ability as a human being, you know, in, in every day. Brendan was a highly touted junior who came through the AIS ranks. And like most young players, study and a career outside of football becomes an afterthought. It's an ultra-competitive environment. It's brutal. You can understand why hitting the books isn't a priority for a teenager at a professional sporting club. And Brendan was no different to any youngster. Football all day, every day, in training, in tactical meetings, and taking it home. It's an obsession. But... Is it necessarily healthy? So it was always in my mind sort of at a younger age. I think I actually did start uh, a course when I was 17, uh, one subject I started and I I just didn't follow through with it. I think I was just too immature to, to realise and understand what uh, was going on at the time in a sense of you know, um, managing football with, uh, with study. I think as you get to sort of the, your mid-20s and if you've been in the game a little bit, I think a lot of players think about it and I think it's, uh, it's, it's always highlighted in our PFA meetings and end of year sort of wrap ups that, you know, the highest amount of education grants uh, have been dished out across the board, across the A-League and W-League and Youth League. So without a doubt, I think it's growing and, and, and that's a great thing. I think looking back, being a young boy once myself, a lot of young boys have that same mindset of, okay, we'll, we'll get there one day, focus on football. And that was my mentality. I was like, okay, I want to focus on football. I want to get better. I don't want to be, okay, going home and thinking I've got to go do this assignment and that assignment. I want to go and work and, and try and develop my game and become a part of the Socceroos or get an overseas gig or play well on the weekend. And looking back, I mean, that's that's a normal mentality. But in my shoes now, I, I would... Um, if I knew what I, I know now back then, then I would definitely be trying to do something outside of football just to, um, to have that balance and to, to complement football. At 27, most people are only just finding their way in their respective careers. For a footballer, you're almost at the tail end and it's so frenetic. It's by no means a normal life. And for Brendan, 10 years in the system, he's learned so much and is always looking to share his knowledge and experiences with the youth of today. I'm doing my rehab with James Delianoff, who's a young boy, and he's five weeks ahead of me, ACL as well. And I think I remember I said to him, I said, just just look at things, even if you do a subject here or there, and if you don't like it, you don't like it. But it's just having a feel and, and not taking your concentration away from your football or your rehab, whatever it is you want to focus on, but just having a, a think about, okay, what, what do I want to do post-football? Because it's going to come quicker than what we all think I mean 10 years ago I, I was 17 at, at Melbourne Heart and now I'm 10 years later and I th- 
you know, it's just gone in a blink of an eye. So it does go quick and, yeah, that that's sort of t- what I tend to say without sort of put it pushing too much on them, you know, because they're young, they've got to live. During a career that has seen Brendan spend a short stint in Korea and be instated with the highest leadership role of a football club, captain of the Western Sydney Wanderers, it was the older heads during his time at Melbourne Heart as a youngster that helped him learn, grow and understand why balance with football is just as important as what transpires on the field. It is a 24-7 job, career, passion, whatever you want to call it. But I think you, you can't always it's – not, it's not healthy to always have your focus or be thinking about football. And, and I don't care what anyone says. I think that you're – no matter what, someone's after training, if they're focused on football and they're, you know, I just want to focus 100% on football, I guarantee you they're going to go home and put Netflix on. So my – I don't know, I guess my thinking is that um, okay, I watch Netflix, <laughs> I watch Stan, I watch TV shows, but at the same time, you can fit in that study, and it—I don't know. I think you, you train. Uh, I think you train your brain, obviously, to take in new informa- information. And I think that when you're using your brain in another in another way to take in information, whether it be you know uh, university, whether it be anything, an apprenticeship, building. Uh, anything at all being a father i think that that is only going to complement football like it's going to train your brain to look at things differently so that in turn leads to you looking at okay you're doing a video session or you're analyzing the game you're going to look at the game differently because your brain is is developing in other areas and if i knew what i know now as a you know 26 27 year old i i wish that i sort of did do a little bit of study earlier, 17, 18, 19, but it is what it is. You, you live and you learn and all you can do is sort of relay what you've learnt to, to younger boys as as older boys did that to me. I'm pretty sure, you know, the likes of your Simon Colosimos and your, your Matt Thompsons and your Josip Skoko, John Alisa, the boys that I played with in my first year, I, I remember them fueling me and feeding me information and, and little tips and, and, and things like that. well documented how difficult the journey for women in sport has been. Organisations like the PFA have done a remarkable job to help provide the right resources for these aspiring women and the campaign for better pay and playing conditions will never stop. It's relentless. But for Newcastle Jet Hannah Brewer, she takes a lot of responsibility, playing football, studying, working and caring for a brother with a disability. Simply put, she's an inspiration. So last year I studied my master's in special education. I was working for two years as a casual teacher after finishing my degree in primary teaching two years before studying my master's. And I was just super inspired to go back and study further and, yeah, get into the field of special education. I was studying at Newcastle University, juggling work and football while studying, which is a bit of a challenge, but one I'm pretty used to after four years of bachelor's. While studying at uni, I picked up some casual work at a school around the corner from my house, the entrance high school, and was teaching there two days a week while studying, which ended up being perfect because I was putting to practice what I was learning. And yeah, look, it opened up a massive doorway for me and I now have a full-time job there, working in an EB unit um, with special ed students and yeah it's a bit of a dream come true for me. But who inspired Hannah? 
I have a few things that have actually inspired me to become a teacher and especially teacher in special ed. My nan who passed away 12 years ago, she went back to uni as a middle-aged student in her late 50s. She always wanted to become a teacher and she was a very caring lady and she unfortunately didn't get to finish her degree teaching due to falling sick with cancer and passing away. So that was always in the back of my mind, you know, to do something that she always wanted to do and I managed to complete my degree in teaching and then further in special education, which I guess that's where my brother comes into it. He has cerebral palsy and struggles with many things in life, but always finds a new way and a way around different challenges and overcomes everything he's faced with. So that that really inspired me because I know these kids or with a disability that are in special education units aren't always given the right opportunity or given, you know, the best tools and um, advice around how to get around things. I've witnessed it firsthand that these kids are more than capable of doing something if they're kind of steered in the right directions. I'm taking on the role of of teaching these students, but also teaching the wider community that um, these kids, you know, do know a lot more than what we think they do and and with the right tools they can really achieve something. I'd already heard a bit about Hannah and her story but even when we did this call I was blown away by the sheer amount of work she does. To put it into context she's only 26 already has a master's degree and while she was studying she worked casually building her credentials and not to mention playing W League. It's people like this that make you feel like no matter how busy you are or you think you are You can always find a way to do more, to give back, to try and make a difference. Hannah does this in spades. All of my students have mental health issues. I was only speaking today that before I started teaching there, I didn't really know a lot about mental health and you hear it on the news a lot and I just kind of disregarded it as something that almost as an excuse and that's just through me being uneducated again, like I said. It wasn't until I was exposed to this type of work that I can really see mental health is a big issue and it really does pose some real hardship on students and it's a challenge in itself, a huge challenge for those students. And um, I guess working in, in that field full time now I can really see and look, I'm just totally inspired. If I can change one student, and even in the smallest possible way, that would be a dream of mine. Their courage, their determination, Things we take for granted, small things that we take for granted that are huge things to them. Yeah, I certainly take that on board and I live my life try, I try and have the courage or display the courage that they have in everyday activities that I do, especially, I guess, on the soccer field now because that is a huge part of my life as well. I might be having a tough day, but it's nothing compared to some of my students and certainly can't use that as an excuse and they don't and they, they really do inspire me on the football field too. The PFA have done a great job in supporting education and to what degree that is varies but they've done a great job in promoting and supporting athletes to study further and they've certainly helped me along the way with my studies and helped me even get into my master's which I was having a little trouble doing, but through the support of the PFA and my club at the Jets, they helped me get into that program, which is huge. And for any young footballer out there that's looking to play football and have a career in it, I think they they definitely need to consider also studying. You learn so many new skills that you probably wouldn't think would help you on the field, but different problem-solving skills, communication, it just helps you with a lot and can only help better your game football. 
football-wise, we gained an education and a career along the way. I was kind of in a bit of a, I guess, a crossroads in my career and I wasn't sure if if that was kind of the avenue that would provide um, food on the table and a roof over my head kind of thing. So I I was pursuing other options in, in in my life outside of football. That's Andrew Redmayne, Sydney FC's number one goalkeeper. A key figure between the sticks for Australia's most gifted football team. But it hasn't always been a smooth road for the 31 year old. I remember chatting to the man, affectionately known as Redders, out in Epping at a Melbourne Heart training session. He was a calm, laid-back individual. Quiet and unassuming, but loud and energetic on the field. All goalkeepers are a different breed. Little did he know the wrath of criticism, rightly or wrongly, that would come his way from fans in later years. Redders was a maligned figure throughout his time at Melbourne City during a small stint at Western Sydney Wanderers, but to his credit, and through his resilience, He's kept his head down, worked hard, and he's now reaping the rewards with the Sky Blues. And a lot of what he's achieved in football can also be attributed to something that runs in the family. Primary school teaching, kind of almost a family business, I guess. Mum and Dad were both teachers, aunties, uncles, cousins, all teachers, brother-in-laws, the teacher, kind of scattered throughout my family and something I've I've kind of always admired and, and always kind of looked up to teachers as role models when I was going through school, so... It's something that I'd like to kind of give back in a, in a, in a way and post-football be able to help develop children, not only maybe in a footballing aspect, but in, in a school aspect. And I think it's it's great to be considered, I guess, a role model when you do step into the classroom. I thoroughly enjoy my role and, and, and responsibility within a team. And I, I think there is similarities, I guess, between teaching and goalkeeping. You have to communicate a lot from the back and kind of oversee everything. And uh, I'm sure the things I've learned in my professional career now will we'll carry over when I do retire and, and move into the classroom. In a general sense, I think studying has been a huge kind of weight off my shoulders, I guess. As a young player, you, you, you put all your eggs in one basket and well, if I don't make it as a footballer, I'm, I've got nothing or something like that along those lines. Or, you know, I, I have to give everything I've got, but I, I've, I've found that if I give the university a good crack and when I get home from training, I, I put all my focus into that as opposed to constantly thinking about football that that other avenue is a, a positive on football it, it takes my head off the, the game and, and that little freshen up really provides me with a, a good platform to be able to you know launch in the, the next day's training and going into that day fresh mentality is everything in sport it's what separates the best from the rest andrew needed another outlet a breather something to take his mind off football but something that could aid his mindset out in the park when he's trying to keep clean sheets. I feel like having study and, and an option to pursue other avenues has, has allowed me to go even harder at football, if, if that makes sense. Well, while I'm at football, I, I give it 110%. And, and I know that if anything was to happen, you know, touch wood, that I, that I do have something to fall back on now and I do have another avenue to pursue. Whereas if I didn't have that, then I might be worried about a, a knock or a niggle or something like that. But now I, I know that I do have something to fall back on, so I, I I am able to kind of, I guess, unleash a bit more on football and, and really give it everything that I've got while I'm there. And I know that while I'm off the field, I've got another avenue to pursue, and, and that's equally as important. I was kind of in a bit of a, I guess, a crossroads in my career, and I wasn't sure you know, if, if that was kind of the avenue that 
would provide um, you know, food on the table and a roof over my head kind of thing. So I, I was pursuing other options in, in my uh, in my life outside of football and think that, you know, Sydney FC might get a bit ahead of themselves. But I think having something like university for myself is, is such an anchoring point and it's very humbling to know that I, I do have something to fall back on if, if the bubble was to burst, so to speak. I've followed Andrew's career since day one, basically. And to tell you the truth, even though I have my doubts, but the one thing I really admire about him is that there's no bullshit. He's always been accountable, despite the knockbacks. To his credit, he's become a reliable footballer and an even better person. But not everybody makes it. For every player you see on the field, hundreds don't get there, thousands. So you've got to be realistic about your options. Redders is a great example to follow. It's been huge, especially initially kind of setting up university and, and where I, where my kind of, I guess, passion lies and, and they were good at helping me point out that teaching would be a, a great viable option for me to pursue. And then, like I said, I've, I've a bit kind of in between universities at the moment and now PFA manager Gabby Ripple, he's, he's been phenomenal through this whole process, helping transfer unis, you know, chase up contacts and leads and, and emails and that kind of thing. Something that I, I don't think I would have been able to, to do myself, especially during heavy periods of football like, like we're in at the moment with uh, Champions League and the end of the A-League, I, I don't think I would have been able to pursue him as well as I would have been without the PFA's assistance. Oh, I, I think university is so accessible and so flexible for anyone that, that wants to pursue it. I, I, I haven't set foot in a classroom. I haven't been face-to-face with anyone. And, you know, I've been studying well, I've three years off a degree, so... It's been really easily accessible for me and it fits in so well with my lifestyle as well. Obviously, finishing training early and, and getting home, like that's that's the time that I get my books out for you know an hour or two hours until the wife gets home and when she gets home, then I pack them up and put them away and, and she never really sees me studying. So it's, it's something that I think is, I guess, easy in my, in my kind of vision that in in hindsight, I guess, for, for young boys moving forward, I think it, it's not a massive leap. It, you know, you can take on one subject and it's, like I said, it's just a, a couple of hours, a couple of times a week. And I think for, for all footballers in the A-League, I think that's very manageable. Johnny Stensis flies under the radar a bit. At 21, the Mariners midfielder is only just starting to make a name for himself. And as we heard earlier from Brendan Hamill and Andrew Redmayne, the younger crop probably don't think about things outside of football. But for Gianni, ducks of his school, a bright spark, he's always had an eye on the future. Parents both started um, bachelor degrees, didn't, fi- didn't finish them. <laughs> um, so I don't think, and they haven't really driven me into it or anything, but... Um, yeah, I think it started, yeah, I had good relationships with my teachers and and I think, yeah, I'm always thinking not just about football but also, like, what what can I do off the pitch as well. Okay, well, yeah, I guess it's quite good that it's it's segmented. Like, the first part of my day, I'm, I wake up with a fresh mind. I'm not thinking about study or anything. I'm just thinking about football, you know. I wake up and that whole from 7 o'clock in the morning, 8 o'clock till one o'clock, you know, you're thinking about football. But then I think it's good to have that, that switch off and, and uh, thinking about um, university in my case. 
I've mentioned the word brutal a few times. Football is a passion, and for those lucky enough to make a career out of it, they deserve it because at the end of the day, it can get taken away just as quickly as it comes. That's why the PFA drum this into the players. They actively encourage them to explore all their options. And after listening to this, we hope you get a newfound appreciation of their work ethic to provide for their families and for themselves. Big thanks to the contributors of this episode, Brendan Hamill, Western United, Hannah Brewer, Newcastle Jets, Andrew Redmayne, Sydney FC, and Gianni Stensis, Central Coast Mariners. Footballer's Voice is a partnership between Podula and the PFA. This podcast was produced and supported by Adrian Horton, Rob Crawford, Julius Ross, and Tony Pasolia.